0: It's a very crisp and dry morning and I'm speaking to you from the township of Swifts Creek in eastern Victoria. The impressive hills and the valleys in this part of the world have seen a lot of seasons come and go but very few have looked quite this bad at this time of year. And many farmers in wool growing regions just like this right across Australia are more than just a little concerned about what lies ahead given the amount of feeding they may have already done, the lack of rain and what might lie ahead. These are anxious times for many people, but there is help at hand from a lot of experienced people. Hello, welcome to The Yarn. This is a podcast to and for the Australian wool industry. My name's Marius Cumming, and in this edition, we talk the reality of drought planning and management. Not exactly the sexiest of subjects, but a very important one. And in a few minutes, we'll hear advice from an expert who's seen plenty of these poor seasons and has helped many wool growers through them. Before we do though, it's important to know about the support that's available and the first port of call when facing tough conditions for many. Here's Jenny Mason.
1: Well it's funny because our name Rural Financial Counselling, the rural is for farming, the financial is we're all about the business, but the counselling side of it is about the people and the discussion we have and that's where we find out how things are going, and then the business side of it, we start figuring in what we know, who are the referrals, the networks, the signposting to, and how they can make the most of uh, the professionals they have around them, and the reason why they're accessing them, and uh, the purpose for it.
0: Right, and generally, I I suppose it's hard to say what a measure of success is, but uh, what, what happens next after that?
1: The measure of success that we get is that people actually get focused on what they have control over and what is outside of their control. And just the small first step of being able to um, you know contact the bank about something or whether to sort out some creditor issues, uh, that's often the first step of thinking, you know think not everything's out of control, we do have some some control over certain aspects of the business. And
0: st- people must come to you in in, uh, in very stressed situations. From the personal point of view, how do you approach that?
1: Well, we listen. Often the first step, and because we are invited into the home and we do sit around the kitchen table... Uh, the first step is people often get confidence in us, to st- straight up. And once they've got confidence with us, that we're there for them, we're not there for anybody else. They then tend they tend to tell us everything, and from there we try and unwrap it. And again, as I said, we'll refer to the professionals that they need, uh, and help them identify where to start. Back to the success.
0: How do you, how do people uh, then once they they're on that road to uh, recovery, for want of a better term, um, do you stay in touch and? Uh, uh, what happens after that?
1: right, so we work on what we call a case management model now, which is basically we stay with them, we hold them, we walk hold them up a little bit for a while, uh, what they 're not comfortable with, we stay with them until they are comfortable, and then once they get more comfortable in managing the situation themselves, whatever that might be, we step back and we just help watch them from afar or help them from afar. And as soon as they're comfortable and confident that they've got their goals set up, they're in they're in action to achieve it, then we step away. But they know that they can contact us again if they need to, if circumstances change. But we're not there forever. We're there to try and assist, to get them up and going, to get them confident, and then we let them go.
0: So what would you have to say to farmers around Australia listening to this, that uh, feeling a little hopeless uh, and, um needing a bit of help, what's their first port of contact? Because you are a service around Australia. Um, how do they find you?
1: Uh, there is, if you go on the website, uh, the Australian Government has all the contact numbers and the areas to try and find your local rural financial counsellor. But often if you're a farmer and you really don't know where to start, a rural financial counselling service is of great first call because we do have networks everywhere we know who to speak to who's in whatever area and what's available.
0: That's Jenny Mason from the Rural Financial Counselling Service. It's a very important service and the first port of call for a lot of people looking for some assistance. In fact if you google rural financial counselling you'll just see how much support is there. But how to approach the production side of a drought? Now John Webware from the McKinnon Project at Melbourne University has been speaking with a lot of farmers and urges people to make decisions
2: early. Now's an important time to make some serious decisions in terms of what your strategy will be going over the next six to twelve months. Now there is still a an opportunity for spring rain uh, to provide effective pasture growth and so reduce the total amount of supplementary feeding. But it's getting very close to that point in time where you're making important decisions in terms of what stock you keep and feed all the way through, uh, what stock you sell. And they're really the most important decisions at this point in time. I mean Obviously, uh, grain and fodder prices are a lot higher than uh, previous droughts. Although, in real terms, they're not that much different. To be perfectly honest, if we adjust for inflation. Uh, but importantly, this time, particularly with the sheep and wool, with, with where fleece values are, the, 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 the pain involved in feeding is uh, is not as much given the value from wool. Now, I always, in a drought situation, uh, reduce uh, fleece values because. Uh, obviously, lower fleece weights and uh, the extra dust in the wool, and so on. All those sort of issues come into play a bit. But the reality is, fleece values are quite high. So what it's really important to do is to, uh, for each class of sheep, uh, work out what, what the value is now, what income you're going to generate out of them um, out over the next 12 months, and what I mean. And there's a bit of a crystal ball gazing here, and you've got to take a view of the future of. Of what the likely value of the sheep after the drought, and of course, what the likely um, cost of feeding. Now, uh, there's always uncertainty with drought uh, what feed prices will be, when the drought will break, and what commodity prices will be going through. So, these I, I think you need to take uh, a, a view of a couple of different scenarios and, and make a more informed decision. And, and it, there's a lot of anxiety producers have at this stage with that un, uncertainty. Uh, what is the uh, appropriate strategy to take but I I think it's certainly uh, you really need to sit down and and do the figures and do the budgets and how I calculate effectively what's a most likely scenario with feeding and that's based on uh, rainfall uh, probabilities based on historical records and importantly I mean the the fact that it's been uh, a uh, a very dry period and drought now it reflects no way in what rainfall will be next year. And so if it's dry this year, what do you expect next year? Expect the normal. And if it's been a wet year this year, expect the normal next year. So it might still be dry, it might be wet, we might be lucky and getting very early autumn break and so the amount of feeding we have to do won't necessarily be as high but I think we, we, we budget for the most likely but also have you got the financial reserves to feed if, if it's a late break and it's not a good strategy um, to know you've got enough um, finances to feed through till uh, February when we know uh, there's a very high probability of continuing to feed. That's not an option in my opinion so you've got to make alternative strategies but, but I think um, the two scenarios is, is really um, consider that what the most likely scenario with feeding is, but also. Uh, uh, have you got the financial reserves to, uh, to feed right the way through if, if it's not a break till June. One thing about in, in, in Victoria, we, we have got a very high probability of rain by winter next year and that's something we can budget for but also being mindful there is a very small uh, scenario that it won't break till um, winter next year. And so they're the sort of decisions which I think are really important to make uh, from now on.
0: And I do say the people in New South Wales uh, and and parts of Queensland listening to this would say, well, we we were thinking it was going to rain in winter and uh, spring as well. But um, you've seen a lot of droughts come and go, John. Uh, This one uh, seems to have been uh, punctuated by high prices, um, particularly for stock. So are we getting better at managing our way through drought, you think, Uh, making decisions early, going through the classes of stock and selling early and, and this time thankfully selling for a decent price.
2: Well, this—I mean—the difference here, I suppose, is that obviously wool prices are a lot higher, and it makes it a lot more palatable to feed. Um, and I would also be looking at any strategies to uh, for forward sales of, of wool. Um, uh, it's not as palatable if wool prices did drop. I mean, uh, to 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 have high rates of feeding. So taking a position there might is worth considering as well. But I, I think in the general gist, I mean, look, a lot of producers who have been in the game for a long time have experienced a lot of droughts, and, and, and this is another one. I mean, in East Gippsland, where we are at the moment, I mean, if you look historically, they've, they've had conditions similar to this, In 71, 72, they had two failed seasons in a row. Although this last year, it was looking actually, ironically, there was less green feed now this time last year uh, but it, it, it was very dry uh, over spring but uh, they got late um, late spring uh, summer rains and, and so at least they were able to stop feeding over summer and uh, a good part of autumn uh, and then an autumn break didn't come along and we're where we are here again but and that that uh, certainly uh, helped but, uh, but a lot of farmers who have been in the game for a long time have um, experienced this uh, before, people who haven't been in as long, um, it's been a run of pretty good seasons down here and so um, this is new territory for some of the younger generation coming through now. So, look I think, uh, but the important thing now is to plan, uh, uh, ensure the stock um, health-wise are in, um, uh, all health issues are managed well and there's a, a number of things which need to be considered there. Uh, and to uh, and, and to monitor stock really is really important given the cost of grain, fine-tuning feeding decisions based on what's happening uh, with weight changes with stock. You can save yourself thousands of dollars in a pretty short period of time. So all these strategies are really good in what, what the sort of things we're talking about in the workshops.
0: Now I know you've got to head off to Orbost. How do we build uh, resilience in farm uh, businesses? Is it containment feeding? Is it buying that extra silo and hay shed? Is it sorting out your water? How do you um, suggest people build more flexibility into into their farming operations?
2: Look, I think resilience is built by having a profitable farm system from a long strategic term. There's a lot of different ways of actually managing drought. One is, Having financial reserves now. Sometimes, if you've uh, expanded your business and a drought's come along, just at the the time you've had that expansion makes it more difficult. But fundamentally, I, I think the people that handle drought um, the the best, are the ones which have got um, a, a profitable farm business in in the long term and uh getting through drought it's part of what we have to deal with i mean there's a lot of different strategies out there in terms of uh funding uh, drought with 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 uh debt or, or with some people having um reserves of fodder and feed but that gets problematic at times and it's not ideal uh, as a long-term thing but some people have been able to do that successfully as well so there's a lot of different strategies which which can work there um, but I think it's not only important to consider the drought period um, when you're managing that drought and it's it's very boring mundane and you're spending a lot of um, money and you're not doing the things you want to be doing and that's but having a plan in place but part of that plan it, it's really important in terms of managing getting back in business after the drought breaks and that's one thing about feeding cash flow upfront it's 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 more problematic and it's more money out but the recovery time once the drought breaks is important and and those profitable years are really important to have And, and I've seen people which have really backed off a lot, and, and there's always a combination in drought of selling some stock and and, and feeding um, uh, some stock, but also with your plans, it's really important to be mindful of uh, the time uh, getting back in business after uh, getting your farm back in a profitable way uh, when the drought breaks, because um, those good years are equally important to make good money as is it is managing uh, the bad years and 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 and. Uh, for a smaller profit, which might be at the moment with where wool prices is, uh, but getting back in business afterwards is, is really important.
0: Our resources for people um, who want more information, there's a lot of resources at, at, at wool.com but, uh, and McKinnon Project, you must have a lot of resources. Where do you point people to?
2: Well, look, people we, we deal with um, directly who come and uh, seek our advice. We'll be doing more workshops in different r- regions. People who want uh, one-on-one advice can come and, uh, for, for us for, for that advice. Uh, there's a number of good resources. Online, there's a myriad of information about managing drought. There's some very good drought books for both dr- uh, managing drought for beef cattle and for uh, sheep, which are put out by the tarp department, which describe the A to Z of, the, uh, of how, how to manage a drought, which I really I think are useful. But it's, it's important, I mean, in managing drought, there's a lot of anxiety with it in terms of there's a lot of uncertainty with it. And so seeking advice to uh, understand how to, um, how best to develop a plan and manage is really important. So if people want to contact, they can uh, contact and we'll take it from there.
0: John, thanks a lot for your time. Um, Let's hope uh, it does rain and people can uh, uh, see a better way through, but at least they're going in eyes open. Um, Yeah, thanks for having you going with us.
2: Thanks very much, Mauro. It's always a pleasure. John Webware from
0: the McKinnon Project at Melbourne University there. Now, if you head to wool.com slash drought, and also if you head to uh, your local awi extension network and of course the state departments of agriculture there is an enormous amount of information there about drought planning and feeding most importantly he's hoping that it rains for you before too long and for any feedback or even issues you want explored as part of this podcast please email the yarn at wool.com and as usual thank you very much for listening thanks for having a yarn and we look forward to your company again soon